All right, so this is Trip Stimson, Chief Whiskey Scientist with Barrel Craft Spirits. Pour a dram, settle in. This is Cast Chasers. cast chasers so welcome to the show uh so glad you guys are here with me this is uh this is going to be a fun one um they're all fun they're all fun i'm not saying they're not all fun but this one's uh pretty special because it's a brand that we've all fallen in love with um it's definitely got its notoriety and it's uh it's it they, they make some of the most interesting um conversational flavorful whiskeys um i've ever had and uh i'm really excited to dig in and talk more about this really really cool uh spirit and uh kind of talk about you know the insanity that must go behind putting these flavor profiles together um really a mad scientist here with me it's uh it's trip stimson from barrelcraft spirits Stim- uh trip welcome welcome Thanks for having me, man. Really yeah. excited to be here. Yeah, me too. Me too. Glad to have. I'm excited to be here. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but uh, no, no, it's good to have you. So, man, you guys. So, barrel, barrel spirits, barrel whiskey. Holy crap! This kind of, this kind of came at a time when I think, you know, whiskey. Obviously, we talk about it all the time. Had its kind of resurrection in the past twenty years. And then it was kind of the staple of everybody wanted, uh, you know, an aged, whether it be scotch or bourbon or what have you, or everybody wanted, you know, a single barrel or they wanted, um, they wanted something very categorical. And then here comes barrel creating whiskeys with unique finishes and some of the most interesting notes, I think, and, and having a, a tasting with people like we do often, it's, it's, I don't want to say easy, but it's there's a flow to sharing notes with people on, on a whiskey, specifically a bourbon. But they're typically you find yourself down the same path. Then you get to barrel, uh, and you and it's like it's Willy Willy Wonka. Like I don't know what you're tasting. You tell me. You tell me. Um, my first love trip was uh, the seagrass, which I think a lot of people probably one of the favorites. Maybe um, it comes yeah. up a lot. Yeah. So that was my first dive in, and I haven't got out of the pool yet. So. That's where I kind of want to start. Talk to me about the insanity that is these plate flavor profiles. And with me, I have seagrass and the foundation. That's the two I'll be sipping on with you. Um, okay. But general blanket, where what what's going on here? What and whose idea was it to just create something? Uh, the the literal never ending gobstopper of whiskey. Well, let's let's go back a little bit. You know, we you were you were mentioning, you know, over the last twenty years, whiskey sort of being you know, resurrected, um, you know, 10 years ago is when barrel was founded. Um, you know, we, that, that was at a time when, you know, everybody who wanted to get into the spirits industry was, uh, looking into building distilleries. You know, so you, people were getting DSPs and these small craft distilleries were popping up all over the country. And, you know, there was this, uh, push to make your own liquid. And that's great. There's a, that's a ton of fun. Um, but I, I think everybody sort of started moving in the same direction. And it was more about building a facility and then all the things that go, go along with that. And 
it was uh, that that pulls focus, I guess, from creating products. Mm. So early on, one of the things that so I was a consultant before I met Joe and, and started working with Barrel. One of the things I would talk about is putting focus on the products themselves, building a brand and not necessarily building a distillery because you know, there are barrels of whiskey available as a commodity and there's tons of it out there. Mm. So by, by focusing on the different whiskeys that are available in the market, you could create unique products and build a successful brand that at some point would then need a, a some sort of production facility to support that growth. Right. So that's where all this started um, for, for us. So, you know, rewind to 2014 when I met Joe, uh, Joe had figured a lot of this stuff out. So things that I was telling customers, Joe had done a bunch of research and figured out that he didn't necessarily want to build this factory. It was more about building the brand. And then whatever the brand needed to sustain growth is, it would be the logical next steps. So we started um, by you know, blending uh, different batches of bourbon. And again, so, sort of our focus on all of this is what we're putting in the bottle. It's 100% flavor focused on what goes in the bottle. So you know, we did batches of bourbon, which were uh, individual batches, limited release. Everything was at cast strength. And so we, we did several batches of bourbon, and then that transitioned into, um, into barrel whiskey. And then we did some batches of whiskey uh, because there's, you know, bourbon is whiskey, but not all whiskey is bourbon, right? So under the whiskey category, you get to broaden the horizon a little bit. There's more things you can do with the liquid. And when you're focused on flavor, that, that can be very important. So we did, um, started doing the, the batch whiskeys, and then we got into finishing. And then we looked at finishing with individual barrels. And then we moved into using multiple types of finishing casks. And then we looked at, you know, if, if all of these flavors from, you know, a, a, a lot, when I say lot, like a grouping of barrels in one or two finishes can create these flavors that we're using to blend. But what if we go a little bit further? What if we start using different ages and different mash bills and then all these different types of finishing casts that are out there to create different types of flavor that can be used to layer in complexity? So this, it, this is a lot of information. A lot of things happened. Over, over the early years, which really have led up to where we, to where we are today in creating some of the um, hugely flavor, flavorful products that, that are on the market today. And today specifically, we're going to talk about foundation and seagrass. Yeah. Um, and I mean this in a good way. I, I like that you explained it that way because there obviously is complexity that goes behind this. It, and some whiskeys you think, oh, very simple, very, uh, you know, complex, but still simple in process and creation and delicious and let's move on. There is no simplicity to these, to these whiskeys. And in a way, I, and I mean this in a good way, it's almost like the company's trying to trick the consumer um, into saying, hey, this is good. Everybody likes it. But I feel like everybody's experience, it's, it, it's hard to have a conversation about the whiskey because it becomes a, a a tangent on what people are tasting, you know, what's more important, the proof, what, you know, the conversation of how age is behaving, how flavor profiles are behaving, how the proof is behaving. It's such a deep, complex conversation in such an interesting way that the consumer 
when I say trick, I feel like we're just, we're not trick. Maybe, um, we, we, we didn't expect, it reminds me of my kids and I trick, I used to trick them into getting onto roller coasters by saying, you know, we're in the, uh, they'd say, dad, are we in the, 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 the crazy roller coaster line? I'm like, no, 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 no. We're in the little one here. Cause you know, sometimes, and then we get right up to the gate and they're like, wait a second, that's not a caterpillar. That's a, you know, and I shove them, but then they have the time of their life and it's, this is really complex you know, awesome ass time for them. So th- this is kind of the same thing. It's not what you're going to expect. If you haven't drank it before, it's, it's better in a very complex way. And let me give you an example. We have rye, we have uh, a sugary rum, we have Madeira deep and rich, and then an apricot brandy bright and, you know, deep. And then you took those things and you said, I'm going to make the craziest Big Mac I can ever, you could ever think of. And it's, it, it borderlines on, if somebody could make a flavored whiskey the right way, which I argue they can't, um, no offense to my, I'm not talking about my bottle <laughs> cocktail people. I'm talking about, um, this would be what I would want from a flavored whiskey. Although it's not flavored. It's, it's everything I'm looking for. It's, it's a cocktail in a bottle. Um, and, uh, I don't know. I, I can't say enough about it. So I am drinking the seagrass, um, interesting name, um, seagrass, interesting flavor my favorite uh, flavor profile out there and the one that i pull out for friends that want something special when they see my collection they say you know pour me something interesting and neat because they assume i'm going to pull out a 25 year old whatever instead i'm going to pull out the seagrass and blow their minds um so can we talk specifically about the seagrass i know it's not one of the first releases but it is up there with the most iconic i think among the brand um it's the most conversational and um in its own way it's it's kind of it, it finds itself in that uh elitist um not that i like the elitist but it finds itself in an elitist collector uh allocation you know bottle chaser kind of category as well even though it's it's obtainable um it's a very cool iconic whiskey that's super flavorful with the most bizarre you know um finishes that i've ever seen talk to me a little bit about this 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 um the spirit please so let me um so when, when you talk about sort of tricking the audience a little bit i want to say that you know there's uh, the stage is was sort of set say say 10 15 years ago with what people can expect when they buy a certain type of whiskey or bourbon you know yeah. we talk about distillery we talk about mash bill we talk about age we talk about uh, maturation barrel, you know, all the things that traditionally people talked about when they talked about whiskey. And so that sort of creates the, the framework for what people can expect and what can impact those whiskeys. At that point, people weren't, you know, barrel finishing was, was not what it is today. Mm. And, and that opens up a whole nother set of doors when it comes to flavor. And so by focusing on flavor, when it, you know, and, and the finished product as it's going to go into the bottle, you can create so many different things. And so seagrass specifically, it's, it's, there's kind of a funny story around this. You know, we'd been, um, we'd been blending and finishing for a handful of years before we actually got to seagrass. And so I'm, I'm in the lab one day and I'm, I'm working on a couple of things and, you know, Joe pops his head in and he says, uh, he says, Hey man, the, uh, the next product's going to be seagrass. You got to figure something out, put it in the bottle and then, and then leaves. I was like, what, what? Okay. So, so seagrass, I have no idea, you know, what the, the, 
you know, the parent whiskey is going to be. Are we talking about a bourbon? Are we talking about a rye? I have no idea. I just hear we're going to be doing seagrass and you got to find something to put in the bottle. And it's, it's fun. Yeah, that's right. And it's, <laughs> and it's funny that it happened that way because one of the most difficult things that, that as, as a company we struggle with is actually naming the products. And so usually we have the product created. You know, we, we go through the, the, the process of putting everything together. It's like, wow, we've got this great product. What are we going to call it? And so we usually spend a lot of time trying to come up with the name. And with Seagrass, it literally, you know, he walks by that day and just pokes his head and says, hey, man, the Seagrass is the next product. Figure out what to put in the bottle. It's like, okay, wait a minute. We, we've done this completely differently all the way to this point, And now all of a sudden we're going to start with a name. And then come up with a blend. And, and it's not like he it's not like he gave you, you know, okay, chocolate cigar, go. He gave you uh, <laughs> I mean when you when you when you think of the seagrass, you're I, I don't think whiskey unless uh, unless you were t- talking about like maybe a funky Highland Park, even then I don't I can't think of a flavor I would get from the phrase uh seagrass other than maybe crisp or something. I don't know. I don't my mind would shut down and I would say, I think I'm being fired. I think he was just telling me I'm fired. I think yeah, that's what right. It did sort of feel like a test at that point, I guess. Um, but so, you know, the, the thought process for me starts with seagrass. So what do I think when I hear seagrass? So grass just pops into my head and then it's, and then I, we just start drifting toward rye. So then it's okay. You know, we've, we've got a, a rye grass or rye product. So we need to have some sort of rye blend. And then what do I think about what's the picture in my head when I think about seagrass, where do I envision myself? What, what, in, in that moment, where am I sitting? What am I doing? What am I seeing, tasting, smelling? And um, we talked about sitting on a beach, you know, because then when you're sitting in the sand looking at the ocean, you've got all this grass growing up around you, right, while you're, while you're sitting next to the ocean. And so we're thinking, okay, so we're thinking ryegrass, and then we start talking through flavors. There's some salinity there. Um, there's, you know, you, you've got your basic um, spiciness that's going to come from the rye, and then we like to round everything out and build complexity. So if we can build a rye blend that has all of the unique characters to rye whiskey, how can we sort of polish that? How, how do we put a little bit more flavor into that so that it accentuates the underlying whiskey, mm-hmm. but it adds additional layers of complexity that you can identify. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, we, we start looking at the, the Madeira and, and the rum. Uh, the, the rum does a great job of sort of providing some viscosity. So the, the, the whiskey coming out of the rum barrel helps to take all of the flavors that are in the blend and really help to spread them out across your tongue and, and hold them there a little bit so that you get that full flavored taste. And, and then the, the unique flavors that come from Madeira. Uh, and then there was at the end of this, it was, you know, how can we take this another step? How do we go a little bit further? And it's like apricot brandy of all things. Why not? You know, why not? Right. And and so it was one of those conversations where let's give this a shot and just see what happens. And it was, it was really the, the icing on the cake for that product. I mean, the, the apricot brandy at that point, I don't know that anybody ever done anything with those types of barrels. And so, layering that in with the other two finishes and the multiple different types of rye whiskeys in the blend, just really, I mean, just the complexity that came out of that bottle was just amazing. It's one of those things where 
a, you know, back to the name, this is what I expect seagrass to taste like from now on. And sometimes, you know, you, you taste a thing and you're like, okay, this is what an apple tastes like. And then you drink a thing. You think, okay, that, that tastes like an apple. It's the other way around. If I ever find myself eating seagrass, it better taste like this because that is exactly what I want. Um, yeah, the, the whole aging in different barrels, I'm, and I'm no historian, um, but from what I'm, you know, if I'm guessing, aging or finishing rather, or both, in a, in a secondary barrel is a Scottish, traditionally a Scottish thing, because they, they have to. Um, and sure. for the listeners, if you want to know why, there's an episode on that. Um, but um, so they have to. So and I and I, I've always said even before, you know, the finishing these special, even before barrel, I, I remember thinking, OK, um, they've got to run out of ideas eventually. I mean, it can't just be the same used barrel, you know, bourbon barrel or so you start seeing certain wine barrels I, I, and, and, and certain, you know, rum finishes and things like that, which are fantastic in the Scotch world. It only makes sense that here in America, we say, okay, let's take a shot at that. And you see some really cool stuff. And mostly, you know, the, the big thing with American whiskeys is the grain. And, you know, what kind of corn, how are we roasting, how, you know, or this char on the barrel. We don't play as much in these secondary finishes that I that we thought. And some of them have worked and somehow I was talking to Chris Morris and, um, and he was telling me one of his, you know, failures, I want to say he loved it but didn't really work, was a champagne finish um, uh, uh, whiskey. So is it because people are afraid? Is it because people, is it the consumer and they just have to appease? Or is there just not enough options to be creative and it kind of takes somebody, and this, if this is the answer, you're going to have to you know, lose the ego and kind of give yourself a pat on the back, you and your team. Is it where you kind of have to be, you have to think that way. You have to say, okay, these two things will go together and I know the consumer is going to, going to enjoy it even though it's never been done before. Um, what cat, I mean, why are, why isn't, well, you have no real competition that I can think of in this, in this portfolio. I mean, they're out there, but no one touches barrel. And that's, I think, because you guys weren't really bold with it. Am I, am I overstepping here? Not to, you know. No, I think that's great. And, and for you to recognize that, you know, you, you've really done your homework on this. Because, again, going back to you know, before finishing was a, a real thing in the States. Um, there, was, there was a handful of ways that you can you know, build your, your bourbon brand or your whiskey brand through, you know, grain smash bills, yeast, maturation, so on and so forth. So when you, when you look at the, the TTB categories and you, you want to create a product that fits in one of those categories, then you're confined, right? Mm. You're, already, you're, already sort of, you know, you're already sort of put in this box where you have to play with, within the, the boundaries of the category that you're in. And so after doing that for so long, you start to get a lot of repetitive things and um, you know, brands doing the same thing. And, and what what we wanted to do is look outside the box and by, by looking outside the box, I mean, you know, we're consumers too. And when we buy a bottle, we're excited about the flavor that's in that bottle. So where can we go to get more flavor? And then how do we take that flavor and layer it in, in, in a more complex way than's being done currently. And so that's what I mean by saying our, our focus is hundred percent on what goes in the bottle because, you know, we, we want to put something together and, and, you know, focus on the way it, it interacts with all the other components 
from the consumer perspective. So, you know, and then, and then you talk about, um, you know, you know, how did we move in this direction or why do we move in this direction? Um, I, th I think that the key point to take there is that, you know, I, I we look at things like they never go wrong. And I th that's probably a pretty bold statement, but, but when you understand the frame of mind, it's how we look at things. And as we're putting blends together, it might not work the way it's supposed to right now, but it doesn't mean that it's wrong. It just means that it's not right yet. Mm. And what I mean by that is that there's another way to either put those components together or maybe all the components aren't there yet. Maybe we're missing something. So as we're going through the process of tasting these individual barrels or the individual components that we're using to create these blends, there are, there are gaps, there's peaks and valleys in these blends that we have to fill. So we're constantly asking ourselves, what's missing here? What can we do to, elevate the flavor? What can we do to build more complexity into this blend? And where do we go to get that? And so again, you've got your, your base layers of all the bourbons and whiskeys and the, the maturation and uh, all the traditional um, liquid that is on the market in that category. How do you go beyond that? How do you, how do you get more flavor and make it work so that you don't cover up good whiskey? You still want to taste the whiskey, but you want to have complexity layered in there so that you get all these other flavors that work together with the whiskey. And so, you know, I, I, that's why I say, I don't like to say that something is ever wrong or a mistake. It's just, we're not there yet. And we'll keep going until we figure it out. I love that. Um, yeah, that's a page right out of uh, Peggy No's book, you know, um, you know, flavor and balance and, and seeking more out of a spirit than just your classical notes. And, and listeners, I want you to fully understand, I'm not talking about, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with traditional. You know, I think, Tripp, you would probably agree. There's nothing wrong with tradition. We all have that 100%. traditional flavor profile we want. Um, my wife's family are Italian. Um, her, you know, years of watching her father make, you know, pasta sauce or gravy, depending on where you're from, um, from the ground up, it was very traditional. You weren't adding anything and everybody had their little tweaks here and there, but it, it, it had to be done a certain way. So there is, there's a place for that. But then I just, I think there's also a place for people pushing those boundaries. We talked about the seagrass a little bit trip and, in kind of, um, it's, it's, it's uniqueness, it's flavor, it's, it's, it's balance, but just this really cool, you know, wonderland there, I guess, hall of mirrors of flavor that I really enjoy. And some of the new listeners may think, okay, so barrel is a flavoring, um, and not a flavoring of whiskey, but barrel is looking for, you know, apricot and things like that to change the uniqueness of it. Yes. And no, because I'm, I'm now sipping on the foundation, the five year, this, in my opinion, is a great example of that same flavor that you get from a you know, seeking that you would get from a crazy barrel that maybe somebody wouldn't think of. This is what I would think of as more tradition, but now we're highlighting, wow, they really have a skill for blending because this is more traditional. This is a five-year, you know, a blend of uh, straight uh, bourbon whiskeys, five-year-old, but it still has that complexity that I expect from barrel. It still has that master class of blending I expect from barrel, and it still has that uniqueness 
very uniqueness. It is, I could, if I tasted this, I think I, I could pick this out of a lineup. And, you know, there's a lot of people out there that say I can blind taste whiskeys and tell you where they're from. No, you can't. Um, that's not how the brain works. I think I could, I could, um, I could confidently pull this out of a lineup and say, no, this is too crazy, weird, and interesting to, to just be something else. But yet it is still something very traditional. Um, it's freaking delicious. I mean, to really cap what I'm saying and let you have a turn, uh, it's freaking delicious. And, um, uh, I don't normally drink at 10 o'clock in the morning, but if I'm gonna, it's it, it, thankfully it's this. So yeah. So talk to me about this five year. Um, you have everything in it. You have your age, hundred proof, straight bourbon, classical idea, but then the flavor goes on that loop that we're, that we expect. It's just, okay. Not classical looks classical should be classical. Definitely not classical. Well, thank you for the kind words. You know, we, we put a lot of work into this and, um, I'd like to speak to, to tradition for just a second, because, you know, tradition is very important and the foundation of, you know, the, the components that we use are created by other people because we don't distill, you know, we, we do very little, we, but we don't typically, you know, distill the products that we use. And when you look at running a distillery, you know, yeast, grain handling, fermentation, distillation, maturation, all of those things are integral to our process. And the barrels that we're sourcing to create our products, we are looking for defects in those barrels that would have happened somewhere upstream mm. because we can't control what happens upstream from the products that we're buying, the, 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 the barrels or the lots of barrels that we're buying. So we're looking for those things. So what we're counting on is that the traditional approach to running a distillery is done to the best of the ability of the company producing and replicated over and over and over again. So they handle, they use the same yeast, real, real big deal. They handle the grains the same way. The fermentation is, is uh, successfully executed every single time with no contamination. All the flavors are created in that fermentation. And then they run the still the same way every time. So they get the same flavors. They put it in the same barrel. Um, so the, the product at the different ages over time is what we'll say the same, but we, we know that, you know, from barrel to barrel, there's some differentiation, but the, the best that we can get uh, in, in that process and that traditional process is paramount to any whiskey producer, right? So what we do um, and specifically in foundation is to look for those different unique lots of barrels that are available and earmark the different uh, flavor components or profiles that we like that we think will work well together in an overarching project, let's say. So specifically to foundation, there's whiskey in there from Tennessee, Indiana, Kentucky, and Maryland. There's the ages in there range from five, six, eight, nine-year-old barrels. Uh, and there's no finishing in foundation. This is just whiskey. This, is, this process is literally just earmarking the, the different characteristics from different grain bills, from different distilleries who no doubtedly use uh, different yeast strains. Uh, they probably have some different maturation uh, processes, you know, different char levels, toast levels, so on and so forth. 
finding the flavors that we like and layering those together in such a way that creates a complex finished product uh, at the at the end of the road. And what's unique about Foundation is actually the first release that we've put out that's not cast strength. So this product is 100 proof where traditionally everything uh, we've done in the past would be cast strength. And part of the challenge and fun of creating Foundation was creating this complex layered product at 100 proof that's going to have the same or similar uh, characteristics as a cast strength product, getting that complex flavor to translate. Because, I mean, as you know, when you, when you cut something down to a different proof, you begin to dilute the flavors and mm. some things, you know, the, the perception threshold changes with some of those characteristics. And so you begin to lose some while beginning to pick up others. And so really working with the individual components prior to doing the blend really helps you understand where you're going to land if you're going to uh, begin blending at a, at a lower proof. So that was a, a we had a lot of fun going through that process at, at a much lower proof than we're used to. I, I want to fully, cause you touched on a couple of things and, and luckily we have listeners that are whiskey enthusiasts. They, 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 they fall into this because they really love to, to nerd out. Um, but I'm lucky enough to have listeners too, that may be new to this. So just a couple of talking points really quick. Um, you heard listener, you heard Tripp say, you know, I said, this is a five year. And then you said not, there's some nine years in there and whatnot. The age on the bottle is the minimum age or the, 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 the youngest age that's in there. There can very much specifically in a blend, there can be older whiskeys inside of that blend. Um, just to kind of, you know, a little pepper here, a little salt, a little paprika. That's what a blender really does. I mean, that's a simplification of it. That's, there's more to it. Second, sure. we, we talk about, the 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 very beginning the um the uh the genesis of kind of whiskey and yeast came up a lot um there's a great episode a couple i think we've done with patrick heist um i I suggest people go listen to that episode those episodes um very interesting yeast bacteria and how these these microorganisms play in the world of how they create sugars or create ethanols rather and consume sugars and yada 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 so there's a there's a lot that happens in the world of making whiskey and then there's and it seems like more recently i've been talking to more blenders there's a lot that happens in the world of blending and it's not, and what I, the point I kind of want to make here to everybody listening, it's not just, can you make whiskey? It's, can you successfully blend or balance a whiskey, whether that is proofing it down from the bar, you know, from barrel strength, whether that's blending, whether that's, you know, if you're sourcing whiskey, some of my favorite whiskeys out there are, are sourced because the blenders really know what they're doing and they are taking a product and they're tasting these random barrels, these different barrels, looking for ingredients no different than you went to the farmer's market and you're smelling, you know, the, the herbs and you're, you know, you're seeing if the watermelon's, you know, ripe by thumping it. I don't know what you do with watermelon, but I've seen it on a commercial. Um, it's kind of the same thing. It's, the, it's a chef shopping for ingredients and then coming back to put it together. And I don't, I've never had this dish, but it kind of, if it's delicious, it reminds me of maybe a turducken of whiskey is what we're dealing with here. Um, but no, it's, it's, a, it's a master class. I, I really want to give kudos to the masters of that, that blend whiskey. I brought a Peggy No, the first female um, master blender um, out there. But 
you know, there's a lot of trailblazers in the in the in the blending world that I think are making whiskeys that are that are sought after and people are looking for because we finally figured out, okay, maybe there's a flavor balance and art and a science to creating a flavor balance that makes an even better Supreme whiskey. I have blended, um, on a small scale. It is very difficult trip. You probably know that better than I do. Um, you can get burnt out. You can, you can kind of get frustrated. You've tasted, you know, over a series of time, maybe five barrels and you think, they're all crap. I got to move. You know what I mean? Or you have to throw the baby out with the bathwater at, t- at times. Um, what would you say your biggest challenge to creating your, you, you use the word lab, which is quite literal. I'd assume um, when you're in the lab, what's the moment that you say, you know what, I'm going to go be an accountant. I'm done. I'm done with this. I'm going to go back to school. Radiology sounds fun. I'm done with this. Is there, is there a moment where you're like this, this is an impossible science. Yeah, a good question. It's there is definitely frustration built into the process, but again, like our, you know, like our mindset with creating blends, uh, in that you know there are steps that go into finding the perfect balance, and that you know failure is not an option. Hmm. So you know, do we get frustrated? Absolutely. Are there days when we decide that, okay, this is, I've had enough today. I'm, I'm going to leave this where it is. I'm going to walk away and I'm going to come back, you know, with, with a, a fresh mind, fresh palate the next day. And we're, we're going to jump back into this and keep going. Um, you know, we, we don't ever quit. It, it's, it's just the mindset of, you know, pulling everything together, focusing on the end goal and taking the baby steps to get there. And eventually you cross the finish line, right? One foot in front of the other until you get there. Mm. So identifying all of the pieces and uh, slowly putting them together in such a way that allows them all sort of a, a seat at the table. And the, the greatest satisfaction is at the end of that process, there is that aha moment where you go, wow, I think this could be it. And so once we get to that point, it's like, okay, well, let's, let's just stop here. Let's, let's walk away. Let's come back and let's go through it again. And if, if you get that same, wow, this is it. I mean, that's the ultimate satisfaction of that process. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Have you, have you created a whiskey that you thought was, uh, was top notch? This is going to be great. And then had to get shelved because whatever reason I asked Chris, like I said, the same question and his answer was a champagne blend and it just didn't work. It didn't make it. And he's bummed to this day about, you know, it never coming out. Is there a whiskey that you created or you blended uh, maybe yourself or with your team that you thought uh, there's something here and it just, it's just never going to launch one of those. I, I picture the Indiana Jones scene where they kind of wheel the Ark of the Covenant into a warehouse and nobody gets to see it again. Do you have one of those bottles out there that, you know, I buy and maybe it's worth something later down the road and I sell it. I was <laughs> <laughs> kidding. That last part I was joking. <laughs> um, you know, there's, there's not been a product that, that we have taken all the way to what we would call a finished product and then said, no, we're not going to do this. Mm. Um, that says a lot. What, that says a lot. I mean, I know there's a lot of people that had a scrap, so that's, that, that, that's a, that's a testament there. So, 
I mean, well, and I appreciate that. Typically, the way the way we would approach that is, you know, as we're going through the process, at some point early on in the process, uh, there's, you know, th- through the series of questions we're asking ourselves about uh, flavor, sourcing flavor, where do we go to get something, what's missing, um, we're going to, we're going to say, you know. What, whatever is missing from this, maybe we don't know what it is right now. Um, we're going we're gonna to shelf this in its, you know, in its infancy and potentially come back to it. Or the characteristics that are in what we would then call that as a component, those characteristics, characteristics could then be the problem-solving piece of the puzzle in whatever it is that we're blending next. So... You know, you go back, go back to what I said earlier, where it's it's never it's never wrong, it's it's never a fail. We never quit. It's just it's not right yet. Yeah. And everything that we blend, all the pieces that we use in in this game, are all flavor components in and of themselves that could potentially be used in different products. So you know, if, if you if you shelf that component. And you look at that as a failure. It's like, okay, well, we can't use that because it's not what it's supposed to be. Then it becomes a failure. But if you look at that component and say, you know, maybe that wasn't exactly what we wanted it to be at that point in time, but those flavor characteristics exist and they're going to solve this problem over here for this Ah. problem. And you put those together and all of a sudden there's your success. So it wasn't a failure; it just wasn't right yet. That's a very positive, and and probably why the success is there. Way to look at it. Um, also, it kind of sounds like, and not being you know my inner psychologist here, but it also sounds like you know maybe your job is to get random words thrown at you, and then you have to make a whiskey about it. Um, I can picture your trip. It's called horse saddle. Good luck. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. Um, all right. I think I have something over here in the storage that might fit that. Fit that. Um, I, I think there's a. I hate using this word bravery. I think there's a there's a kudos to be given um, to somebody that can that can push the boundaries and that can see failures as wins. I've heard over and over again in this industry and maybe a lot of industries, a lot of failure, you know, you even think of, you know, the Amazon early days in the company, Amazon uh, with Bezos, him just sitting at a broken desk and trying to put a business together. Failures can sometimes be the coolest thing. Some some of the most big, some of the most, you know, uh, biggest accidents in the whiskey world have become some of the best whiskeys available. And just because it wasn't what the direction was originally going, but it kind of took a path that was fun and interesting and, 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 and led to a complexity. Um, let's shift gears a little bit because we have, we have some cast strength. We have some non-cast strength, you know, or I would say traditional even road hunter proof, which is where my flavor palette kind of lies in most whiskeys I, I find around that hundred proof is what works best for me some people want pure rocket fuel and good for them there are some cast strings i mean this, you know that i really really enjoy i mean seagrass is rocking you know what is it 59 percent, something like that um so definitely some whiskeys out there stronger and i've even enjoyed some 40 percent. i'll say it. there's some great 40 percent whiskeys out there if they're done correctly sure. um but what's how important let's let's i'm going to break it up into two questions and i was going to ask you you know what's the most important thing to look at but that's such a difficult question how important is age 
and how important is cast strength when making? And I know the easy, I know it's, well, it depends on what you're making, Bobby, but are, is, let's stick to age for a second. There was this mentality in the consumer that age is everything, right? The older, the better. You know, you hear, you know, in TV shows, somebody goes, I got a 25 year old single malt, you know, and you're like, well, okay, which one? What's that mean? You know what I mean? How, but age seems to have its place. And then so does cast strength. There's there's a group of people out there that if it ain't cast, I ain't drinking it. You know, so they're important, but how important? And is that what the consumer really should be totally focused on? So good questions, but tough questions. Softballs, really. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, we are... As consumers, I, I feel that we are conditioned to look at a product on the shelf and subconsciously believe that the darker it is, the older it is, the more value that it has, and the better it's supposed to be. I put shoe polish and, in all my whiskeys for friends, yeah. just 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 for that reason. So I'm very old school. <laughs> and so, as you know, as time has progressed. And the consumer is getting more and more curious about how whiskey is made and what people do to create their products, whether it's just, you know, grain to glass and put it in a bottle after so many years or put blends together, finishes, whatever it is, the consumer is getting more and more interested and uh, they're educating themselves. So, you know, do I love old cast strength whiskey? Absolutely. But do I love it strictly because it's old and cast strength? No. Mm. And what you're finding with uh, cast strength product is undiluted flavor. So right as it comes out of the barrel, you're going to get obviously the highest alcohol, but you're also going to get the most um, non-dilute flavor. And some people really like that, but some people can't palate the alcohol. Uh, and that's, you know, I'm making the assumption that everything coming out of the barrel is, is a higher proof. And, and we know that that's not necessarily always the case. Mm -hmm. um, but um, when it comes to um, cast strength versus a lower proof product, there are good products at lower proof. And what's happening is, is, is again, as you, you know, you add your water to cut these products to a lower proof, you're, you're changing solubility of of the bourbon and you're you're going to start changing the perception threshold within that liquid of the flavor characteristics that are available for us to detect and the ones that tend to slowly disappear and that doesn't make it right or wrong that just makes it different yeah. and there are flavors at lower proofs that are that are good and I, I think we've shown that with the foundation. Mm -hmm. you know, there, there are flavors at 100 proof compared to 120 proof that are just as good. And then when you can blend those at that proof to create even more complexity at the lower proof, it's, it's still a win. Yeah. So I, I, don't think that, I don't think that you should pay as, as much attention to necessarily age and proof if you're looking a hundred percent um to to have two indicators on buying a product i don't think it should necessarily be your age and your proof um 
Obviously, if you've never had it before, you have to have some sort of indicator to help you decide on a purchase. Uh, but I don't think that the oldest, darkest, yeah. highest proof product is the end all be all for quality and value. Great answer. And full disclosure, that's probably my least favorite question um, out there age and proof. Um, I don't, I'm not a fan of it as a topic and to a serious whiskey consumer, it's my least favorite thing to come up with, to, to talk about. Um, the only reason I ask you is a, because we have a lot of newcomers and you're in barrel, you know, has a, you know, array of different selections to choose from. I mean, there's multiple, um, flavor profiles and you, you could, you could spend a very long time just shopping in the barrel, you know, um, portfolio. Um, but also because if anybody's going to kind of talk about it, I think it goes to a blender because you're the one that has to say, you know, the final, the, right before it goes in the bottle, what we're going to offer to the, you know, what's the, what's the chef at the, that, 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 you know, you get the plate, you know, they make it and then they hand it to the final chef and he looks at it and makes sure it's good to go. And the flavor, you know, you're kind of that guy and it's like, okay, this is what, this is what I was talking about. This is what the menu meant. Here you go to the consumer, you know, you have to think about those things. So who better to say is age is everything or it's, you know, proof is everything. And there's companies out there that bank on that. Um, sure. But sure. there's also people out there that understand those are just other ingredients among many ingredients. Age is an ingredient. You know, strength is an ingredient. Some cast strengths, you know, taste like I'm sucking on a bouillon cube. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, this could really use some reduction. And then there's some that I'm like, this is perfect. This is an intense, rich flavor, and it's perfect. They spot on to the maker. Um, so that's, I, I didn't want you to think I was throwing you some kind of, you know, new guy, whiskey tater or whatever the terminology question. I really wanted to hear, I really wanted the listeners to hear that exact answer you gave. It's just another ingredient. Sure. If I'm summarizing, I think, um, what you kind of said there. Um, so I have these two, I, I, somewhere in this house, there's others. I, I'm a big barrel fan. Um, do you have a favorite? And that's another stupid question that people ask people in the whiskey community. So I'll, I'll let, let me give you two answers. My uh, uh, my go-to answer is typically the next product we're going to release, and and I say that because nice. that's what that's what I'm working on, yeah. right? And so my favorite right now is what we're working on, trying to perfect whatever that blend is. So that's you know that aside, uh, something that is. Uh, available in the market. Um, I really like Vantage. Mm. And, and and I'll tell you why. You know, we've done a lot of finishes using different types of barrels that have had, uh, that previously had some sort of spirit in them. Uh, and with Vantage, uh, Vantage is bourbon finished in uh, toasted American oak, Mizunara, and French oak barrels. And none of those barrels had anything else in them. Mm. And so what we were doing is really taking a look at the, the cooperage contribution to all of the different types of whiskeys that we put in those barrels and then blending those together to create the product. So it's all bourbon and, and all wood in that blend and with all of those finishes. And that was a, it was a pretty long process going, going through and putting that together, but it's really fascinating to see what the different barrels actually bring to the table with all of the different grain bills that we used prior to creating the finished product. I haven't had that one yet. And I, I, that's probably what I'm going to run out and do is grab, 
Mizunura is very interesting to me. Um, it's a Japanese oak, and um, it's it's finicky, um, to say the least. It, you, it doesn't like a lot of time. I think it's more porous or something about the evap. Yeah. It is more porous. Yeah. So it's it, it doesn't like a lot of age. It's it's finicky. It, it's funny with temperatures, but there's a there's a very uniqueness to its flavor that I enjoy. And I've I've tasted it in Japanese whiskeys, and I think I've had it in some finishes. What what flavor profile are you looking for that says Mizunero oak? I mean, from your point of view, what is the flavor of Mizunero oak specifically versus your American or your French? So there's a lot of there's a lot of conversation around Mizunara and where the sweet spot is for maturation. Uh, in the in the earlier years in maturation with Mizunara, you're going to get flavors like sandalwood, uh, like some herbal spices, some coconut, you know, a little bit of aniline. Um, but you know, a lot of Japanese whiskey producers would say that you're not even getting the flavor you're after until you wait. 10, 15, 20 years in the barrel. Mm. So there's, there's, there's this, you know, sort of conversation about, you know, is one right, one wrong? Is there a certain time you have to leave it in the barrel to get certain flavor characteristics? Um, but again, you know, my answer to that is, is not going to be a right or wrong answer is are the flavors that you're getting flavors that you find interesting that you can use in a blend? Do they fill a hole in a blend that you're putting together? And if it's, six months or if it's 20 years if the answer is yes then in my mind that makes it right yeah i like that you you must be a mean cocktail maker i, I feel like honestly i'm not really I, that I am, surprises I am me not a big cocktail guy um however i do like a good old-fashioned yeah. and i'm a creature of habit so i always go with that but what i do like to do is take different bourbons that we create and make an old fashioned with it. Yeah. So like a vent, like a vantage old fashioned is a killer old fashioned. Yeah. It's okay to use if you, if you, for the listeners, if you're, if you're spending money on a whiskey, it's okay to use that whiskey. You don't have to use the crap. I hate crap whiskey and cheap whiskey. And I don't want to say crap, cheap whiskey and, and cocktails. I like cocktails and I use good whiskey in my cocktails. It ev- elevates the flavor. A hundred percent. Yeah. I have made a cocktail with the, the seagrass. It's fantastic. Um, I actually, you, you talk about old fashions, which are some of my go-tos. I had a, uh, there's a restaurant near me. Um, they had a, um, fig old fashioned that was absolutely fantastic. So I replicated it and made it with the seagrass and it just played well with all those notes and flavors. And it was just fantastic. So be playful with your, with your whiskeys. And I know, you know, Bobby, I'm spending 50 plus on this bottle. Okay. You made just like a blender, pick the good ingredients and make that yeah. your, your, your thing. Um, the cocktails even better. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and there's no wrong time for a cocktail or a whiskey, not even if it's 10 49 in the morning. Um, <laughs> welcome to my life. Uh, <laughs> I got to get them when they're free, man. I got to get them when they're free. Uh, there's worse places to be brother. Yeah. You got that right. You got that right. I'm off today. So no, nothing, nothing to do other than this. So that's good. Um, listen, man, this is, this has been great and informative. Um, I absolutely, you know, as we wrap up, I absolutely want to let you know, I, and I want the audience to hear it. I am so thankful for what barrel has kind of given us. It is such a cool whiskey. It's such a cool brand. Everything. The bottle is, there's no bottle like this. I mean, I'll post on Instagram and everything for the listeners. And if you haven't seen it, it's a very attractive bottle. Kind of reminds me of something from the old West, maybe um, that a doctor would have pulled out of his apothecary and you know poured on 
you know, poured on a wound or something, which they did is whiskey. So they probably actually did. Um, so the bottle's cool. The, the flavor profiles are unique and interesting and conversational. Um, if you have friends over, you know, like I said, you know, people expect me to be the whiskey guy. They, they, they think I'm going to pull out and I've got a 35 year old something over here and I'm probably going to pull something like this out because this is what's good. This is, and not that that's not good, but that's not necessarily for, the entry level, or I don't want to waste a four hundred dollar bottle on people I barely like. Um, you know, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, I don't want to waste any whiskey on people. But if you really want to impress somebody, you're new to whiskey, you're in whiskey. I think barrel kind of has something for everybody. You know, the foundation is a very fireplace. You know, hanging out with whiskey folk, really complex, true bourbon with a lot of deep, rich flavor. The seagrass is a fun bright, flavorful, great in cocktails, good with ice, beautiful on its own, um, intro and expert level whiskey to drink. Um, and what I like about it is it's always different every time I sip it. So bravo to the team. I can't thank you enough. And I know the talent and the the time it takes to blend um, is just, it, it's its own science. I don't, I mean, quite literally we got into it, but you know what I mean? I don't want to get into it. And I mean that more as a metaphorical teenage way. I don't even want to get into it. Um, so uh, that being said, where can people, where can people follow you? What can you talk a little bit about anything that's coming out? That's not secret and your press team will fire me for, I mean, is there anything coming out that we should keep an eye out on? Um, tell us what's coming so up. So you can find us on uh, online barrelcraftspirits.com or barrelbourbon.com. Both will get you there. We're on all the social media, Facebook, uh, Instagram. Uh, I think we're on Twitter or X now, I think, as it's called. Uh, LinkedIn. I think that's all of them. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, things coming up. We've got... We have all different types of casks that, that we're playing with. You know, we, we released the uh, Tale of Two Islands finish and the Ambrana finish this year, two cast strength finished bourbons in our cask finish series. Uh, so those are uh, those are some some fantastic products. Um, and we've got you know, we're working on the, the two for next year right now. Uh, so just lots of fun stuff coming down the pipe. You know, we're. Um, as, as creative as, as we've ever been at this point. So just keep an eye out, you know, more yeah, coming. I love that. Um, I saw on an Instagram w- reel recently where they were taking, um, blowfish, um, I guess to serve as at restaurants and storing them in barrels. And it made me think, you know, I don't know, there's an option. So, um, I'll keep an eye out for that one too. Uh, if anybody's going to do it, do it well. <laughs> uh, I don't know so, if I'd hold my breath on that one, uh, but uh, my kudos to the, kudos to creativity. <laughs> yeah. It might pair, pair very well with, uh, I don't know, Mizanera maybe. Um, anyway, man, uh, trip, thank you so, so much. Uh, I, I'm, I, I, I th- I'm thankful again, like I said, for, for what Barrel's given us. And uh, it's fantastic whiskey, people. Go get it. If it's not on your shelf, it absolutely should be. Um, my guest, Trip Simpsons, thank you again, man. Keep making cool, awesome stuff. Go follow them. Look them up. Don't go to his house. That's weird. Um, that's frowned upon. Stay on the uh, social media. Buy it off the shelves. It's everywhere. I don't think I've ever been in. I'm in a, I moved to Virginia. I'm in a controlled state now, and I see it, so you can get it. It's not one of these rare weirdos that you can't find. It's definitely out there. Um, and just remember, I mean, it's not about 
you know, finding that perfect dram, that perfect whiskey. It's all in the chase. And if you're going to chase, this is a brand to chase. So thank you. Uh, Trip. thanks, my friend. Thank you, Bobby. This has been great. Yeah. And uh, we should definitely do it again sometime. At 100%. 100%. I have more weird questions to ask you. I just, you know, I can't do it the first, a second date. The second date's when it gets up. Got it. Yeah, yeah. You it. Know, <laughs> I don't want you to block me <laughs> just yet. Um, anyway, yeah. But Trip, thank you. See you, bud. See you. Take care now.